You are listening to The Call to Worship. I am your host, Eloisa Guerrero. Thank you for joining us. In today's episode, we have Mike Mendoza joining us. Thank you so much for being here today, Mike. Thanks for having me, Eloisa. Yeah, no, thank you for taking the time to be here. Um, I want to get to know you, and I want our listeners to know you a little bit better. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, let's see. It all started in Long Beach, California, where I was born. My dad was in the Navy, and um, he's first generation. Um, So could you imagine being in the Navy? And not having a command of the language. Mm. And, uh, you know, the little things like ironing and uh, stuff that we take for granted. Yeah. My dad came from basically the jungles. Um, he told us stories. He didn't really speak much of his time in the Navy, mm-hmm. um, but it affected him greatly. Um, he missed his homeland. He also talked about how he gave up his first few paychecks mm-hmm. and had someone else do his laundering stuff for him. You know, so I didn't realize it at the time, but as I got, you know, as we got to get to know each other more later in life, I realized that how intense that must have been for him yeah. and how alone he must have felt. Yeah. Um, after that, um, after my dad was done in the Navy, um, we moved to San Diego. Uh, we lived in a bunch of different places, but in 1973, we moved to San Diego. Okay. And for the first year, we lived in Navy housing in Kearney Mesa. And then after that, we moved to Mara Mesa. And um, we were there for a couple of years. And then um for some reason my dad moved us out to poway california okay. and back in the day poway i remember moving and people at school making fun of me because poway was like the cow and the sticks and now it's you know ironically the place to live yeah <laughs> um i went to elementary school um and i was in catholic school so i went to saint michael's catholic school okay um so my parents were the kind of parents that had to both of them worked a couple jobs and they put us in an upper middle class catholic school so at the time, my brother and I were talking about what a sacrifice that was. Yeah. But growing up, we didn't. Like, I didn't realize that the seeds of anger were planted because I didn't know who I was. Like, I really didn't know that I was, I'm Filipino. And I didn't realize I was Filipino until I got to high school. Really? Well, I mean, yeah, because I got, I went from upper middle class. Most people were white. I had a friend of mine, Donnie, who was black. And it was like, he left in like fourth grade. Yeah. And then seventh and eighth grade, there were more, but I just kind of identified with that. Yeah. But I also didn't fit in at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had to make up a lot of that and I didn't realize a lot of things. And um, so I realized that changed me. But one of the things I was, was I was an altar boy. And uh, I remember being in like fourth and fifth grade, knowing Jesus and God was real. Yeah. And wanting to be a priest and doing all that kind of stuff. Really? Yeah. And... Um, I was an altar boy actually through my sophomore year in high school. Um, but it was decided that I didn't want to do Catholic school anymore. I was tired of the same 20 kids I knew my entire life. Yeah. And I decided to go to school. And at the time, I had a choice to either go to Poway High School, which a lot of the my classmates that went to public school went, or I had a choice to go to Mount Carmel. Okay. And I went to Mount Carmel because it was a newer school, but I didn't realize it was more racially diverse. And uh, I remember walking on campus, you know, this kind of surferish kind of kid and having Filipinos come up to me and they're, they're retired. There was, de- they were definitely different than I'd ever experienced. Yeah. And they would call me stuff like whitewash and 
I didn't know that that was a slight. Yeah. I just so um, Catholic school is really good. I mean, they taught a lot about sin, and um, but what they didn't tell me was that it was really, really fun, and I felt really, really good. So I got to high school, and I, I just rebelled. Okay. You know, the anger of not understanding why I was treated differently, even though I thought I was the yeah. same, and. Um, so I was one of these kids, uh, very similar to Pastor Assad's story. At 17, I moved out of my house. At 12 and 13, you know, 14 and 15, I was living on other people's couches. Um, I would not come home for weeks at a time. Yeah. And I was a perfect kid everywhere else but home. Yeah. I think a lot of it was my dad didn't understand, you know, in the Filipino culture. And I'm sure in a lot of cultures, there's a hierarchy and there's respect. So. Right. In the Philippines, you would say, Father, may I ha please have pancakes? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in the United States, we're taught, I want pancakes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? So there was just always this thing. And um, as a result, I did not have a relationship with my father for close to 36 years. I moved out when I was 17, vowing I would never ask for his help. Oh, wow. And uh, I told him out of my pain and I heard him that I didn't have one good memory of him growing up. So fast forward, here I am, you know, 17 years old, living on my own, hustling. I worked at a, I was an assistant manager at a Blockbuster video where in the, in the 1980s, 90s, it was the best job in the world. Yeah. Everybody was there. Yeah. It was a, so I knew, I knew where every party was. Yeah. I knew what was going on. I knew what to do. Like, yeah. and then I have a commodity. I could get him the princess bride. I could get him all of these stuff that people would wait. Right. I mean, I don't know if you remember going to a Blockbuster video oh, it's, yeah. and standing there by the inbox going, <laughs> did such and such a movie come in? Yeah. Well, you know, and yeah. there were certain ones you would yeah. hear and you know, it'd be, <laughs> yeah, could you check all that stuff? So we, that was kind of it. So there was a lot of power and prestige in that. And then not knowing where to go, um, I started working. I just got done. I got tired of working retail. So I went to go work for a, for a construction supply company and I started in the warehouse okay. and I was ambitious. Mm. I wanted to get inside. Yeah. And I was there for probably five years and I went from sweeper to branch manager. And if I, I don't know if you know the construction industry, not only was I young, but no one knew who I was. Yeah. And um, I, the entire time I was, I, I upset people. Because I mean, they were I, yeah, my godson's dad worked there. Yeah. And I ended up firing him. Oh, my well, I mean, there was reasons behind it, but that's, right, right. I mean, I was just like, and uh, at that time, um, I started dating um, Sandra, who became my wife. We dated for five years, and she uh, was working for an engineering firm at the time. Mm. And there was a couple, there was a guy there who was an engineer, and he invited her to church, and would always invite her. Yeah. And uh, Sandra would ask me to go, and I'm like, no, I don't want to go. Um, but then, uh, she said, Hey, uh, this pastor who used to be a defensive back for the San Diego chargers is speaking. So I decided I would go Yeah. and I knew the gospel. And I knew Jesus. I was just running from him. I felt mm -hmm. so dirty. I felt so unworthy that, um, I literally lived, I was going to hell, so I might as well live it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I literally didn't think I was going to live past 30. I thought it would be a miracle. And I, I mean, I could go into it on all the lifestyles, but one of the things I stopped doing is talking about that past life yeah. because I found that if you have a vanilla testimony, which means that you've always walked with the Lord, mm 
it actually stumbled people. Oh yeah. They think they think, oh man, I wish I had that. Well, you know, my greatest dream is that anybody would just walk with the Lord, and that's just who it would be. Yeah. Um. So you know, here I am uh, trying to figure out who I want, and I and I, and I discover that. I hear the message for the first time. He was David and Goliath, and he talked about a nasty Philistine with dreadlocks and stanky teeth, and he just talked in a way I'm like, okay, I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I'm walking forward. Oh wow. And wow. you know, yeah, and I, being Catholic, you know, I get saved on a Sunday. Yeah. I go to lunch with the people that invite us, and I'm like, what is, what's the next steps? Well, then there's home fellowships, so I got involved in a home fellowship, which I loved. And then the following, probably the next Sunday, two Sundays after, I was like involved in the sound ministry. Oh, wow. You know, Catholics, it's like service. Yeah. And so that was probably, gosh, close to 20 years, over 20 years back. Was it 2021? 20, 30 years ago. Wow. Um, no, 20 years ago. In. I just dove in, but it was all about the actions, the fake it till you make it. Yeah. And I remember probably f four months in the ministry, which I loved. Um, the enemy just kind of can. It was I was convicted, but it was the enemy convicted me because he told me I wasn't qualified. I was still doing drugs, and I wasn't living a life that was according to Christ. But I wanted to be there. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of Christians want that. They yeah. they go and they see how good value, but they still are holding on to the right. their past. Right. And I remember um, asking my home fellowship leader and some a couple elders to lunch. And uh, they could tell I was squirming in my seat. And I just lost it. I'm like, the whole time I've been lying to you and you guys should, you know, disown me. And I don't, you know, I, I you know, I just, I, I felt like I needed to be punished. And I remember my home fellowship leader look at me with this big old smile and he goes, that's it. Like we're all sinners. And like, that was my first like concept of like, wait a second. I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. And what I discovered is my biggest fear is failure. So in order, the you know, in business and everything, I'm, I'm also a salesman is, is that I tell my clients the hardest thing you can get Mike Mendoza to do is to commit. Because I'm not going to do anything until I'm ready. Right. Um, on the on the surface but in my heart i wasn't ready for that okay. so um after a calling you know my girlfriend at the time we'd been five years and yeah. three years into the relationship is when i got saved and after two years we got married we got baptized we got married it was an unbelievable thing we we're so close to the lord and i was still working for these uh you know in the construction industry and um, I just remember, I mean, I was doing everything, yeah. had the house, we had the maids coming over. We had, you know, what I thought was success, stuff I never had growing up. And I gave my yeah. kids everything. And just to remember looking at my kid, I think Joey was probably my oldest four at the time. And my youngest was two. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who they were. Mm -hmm. So then there was a wholesale change like I needed to do. And an opportunity came up and the church I was working at was looking for a sound guy. They had started and. And uh, they wanted me to edit a radio program. I'd never done any editing. And I remember praying with some brothers and they said, hey, Mike, um, so everything in it says that you want to fail. You'll fail. And I go, yes. And they go, sounds perfect. I think that's where God wants you to be. So I started doing that. And I remember the first day on the job, 
I was there with a good friend of mine, um, Ray Mamage. You know, he was like uh, a guy that had retired from the police department. And we're looking at each other and we're like, okay, so what do you do after yeah. Sunday services? There wasn't enough to do. Well, quickly, and at the time we were probably had 150, 200 people going to the church regularly. And then um, a couple of years later, uh, we grew. I mean, before we knew it, we were to three services. Wow. Um, massive Easter services. We did a th thing called the Living Nativity, which was 13 years. I was there for the first one. And the first one, we were in bathrobes and cassette players. By the end, we literally had recreated G Jerusalem, yeah. we, all of that stuff. Wow. Um, and then uh, we went from the small church and the next thing I know, all of the all the, all the acts of all the songs, you know, yeah. I can only imagine yeah. um, praises were all of these guys. I'm working with them now. Wow. They're on the campus. Yeah. And then um, I felt led like all of a sudden it just became a lot because, you know, we talk about worship, but it just became all about production to me. And although I loved it, I found myself striving better and more and more and more and more that I'd sit through sermons and not even listen to them. Mm. I was more concerned about get the slide right or yeah. this and this. And I would grind into my team. Excellence inspires others and glorifies God. And my ministry, would we would meet every morning, Sunday morning before everybody got there and we would pray. And it was the same prayer. Lord, you know me, you know, uh, prepare the hearts of the people, you know, basically the same route. Um, may the service not be distracted by the technology this, that, and the other thing. But as we got bigger, about the back door, there was fear. I was fearful that I couldn't pull it off. And I believe, and I, I you know, in hindsight 2020, that God honored my prayer, but because that fear was there, eventually he stopped honoring it. And stuff would happen. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I would literally think, I know this stuff, but right. the PA blows up or whatever. Yeah. And then I moved on. And then I, what's my identity? Yeah. I was always like the sound guy at a church. Yeah. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I remember looking for jump work and meeting with a guy and he said, Mike, um, monsters and like monster.com uh, and all of these um, job sites are stuff you do when you're out of college. But Mike, you spent 20 years investing in people. Yeah. Just call people. And I just started meeting with people and I wouldn't tell them about my circumstance, but I'd go and I'd listen to them and we'd talk about God and encourage them. And out of the blue, a vendor that I worked with said, Hey, I want you to come work for me. And like, I have no idea what you do. Yeah. And it's a networking company. Yeah. And he goes, Mike, when we did the remodel, I mean, there was 450 some odd separate cables that we ran all over the campus and you didn't have plans, but you kept track of all of them. Yeah. So I can teach you the rest. Yeah. And during that time, I worked at like Uni NBC Universal. I worked with a lot of big, high-profile jobs. And then that opportunity went away, and I was looking again. And then I got, I'm where I am now. Yeah. The company I'm at where I am now took everything that I've ever done, my construction expertise, yeah. my church expertise, yeah. and all of that. And I'm really happy. You've seen it. Yeah. And, You've seen it. and what's cool about the job that I have is I literally, and afterwards I have a heart for churches. Yeah. So I've seen people worship in different ways. I'm talking from Jewish synagogues yeah. to Pentecostal to hardcore liturgy and all of this. And what was fascinating to me was all the different ways that Jesus is worshiped. Yeah. 
So you've seen a lot of it, right? You've been around a lot of it. How would you describe the call to worship? It's funny because when you ask me the call to worship, it's something that I've been thinking about a long time because every time I go in, you know, um, especially in the more modern non-denominational worship heavy, right? The text there, it's got to sound good. It's got to be practiced. It's got to be polished. You know, when I ask myself and I've asked myself is if Jesus was to come today and, and, and be right here, what, how would I respond? And I've heard the gamut. But this is the reality, and this is what I know to my core. If Jesus was to walk in right now, I would fall flat on my face and try to call, crawl under the refrigerator. Yeah. There would be no asking questions. Because right. I would I would know who I am in light of him. Yeah. So when you're saying you're called to worship, you know, is it the experience? Is it raising your hand? Um, I know that we've talked about, you know, Rome, um, Romans 12.1. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I just want to bring that up because I think it's important that we bring scripture into this. Yeah. And. The NIV, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holding and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Yeah. I like the new King James Version because it's basically the King James Version, but they changed the thousand does to like modern terms like him and though, you know, the, but it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Yeah. But which is your reasonable service and your true and proper worship? It's like, in order to understand that, you have to sit there and go, okay, um, what is the cost of that? Yeah. Like God has done so much for me because of things that have happened just recently that I understand for the first time in my life what that reasonable service is. Yeah. He's worthy. Why? Because he's God. He hasn't changed. I've changed. That's right. That's right. So he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. You know, growing up Filipino with my dad, because of the um, language barrier and the culture barriers, we have in the United States it's great because um, they call it your your emotional toolkit. Like my dad growing up, his emotional toolkit was two things. He was either happy or mad. Yeah. So the way this relates is if you're frustrated. And you don't know any better. You can't say I'm frustrated. You either have a choice to be happy or mad. Yeah. Or if you're embarrassed, you have a choice to be happy or mad. Yeah. Like I could be, I would be embarrassed all the time in, in my Catholic school. And so I'd pretend like I was happy. Oh, wow. I would write it off. Yeah. yeah. Like I was a Philip, I was Santa Claus in eighth grade <laughs> because I, I'm very loud. Yeah. But when I walked out, everybody laughed. I didn't know why they were laughing, yeah. but they laughed, but yeah. it affected me. I didn't realize how that affected me, yeah. but I, 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 I laughed it off yeah. because I didn't know to say I'm, I'm hurting. Yeah. Right. So I went into my marriage with that. I went into my relationship with the Lord with that, because yeah. I just didn't have the, the emotional toolkits to do that. Now, now I can say I'm frustrated or I'm sad or right. whatever, right. but it came across as anger and I have a very slow fuse. I'm quiet. It, it takes a long time, but when I go off, I mean, I lose it to the point of death. Like I could care less if I die right now. Yeah. That's a problem I have. And it's, mm -hmm. but you know, getting back to this concept of, of worship, yeah. my call to worship, we weren't called to worship. Mm -hmm. We were created to worship. Mm -hmm. The scriptures state, state it, uh, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Yeah. 
one of the things that I've always done is I get confused. I've seen, you know, my, my, my I'm all over the place. God hasn't changed. So I find myself always going back to Genesis. You know, and one of the things um, in the beginning, God, he created this and he said it was good. Yeah. It was good. That was God's intent. In marriage, right, the intent is the longest part of the ceremony. Do you promise to do this? That's your intent, right? Yeah. The actual marriage part is, I declare you married. <laughs> right? So, that's the intent. and God's intent was, this. so here we are, right? God created us as these creatures to worship. And we were abiding with him literally in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And in there, everything was sufficient. But then we have an enemy that came in to seek and destroy. And what he did was he said something to Eve that was so like subtle. Yeah. But I believe that we as people have a desire to do good and everybody wants to do good. The problem is that scale has shifted mm -hmm. because the enemy convinced Eve that it was good to be like God. Right. Now, I really believe that she was well-meaning. I yeah. don't believe she wanted to damn the entire human race to yeah. <laughs> eternal death without Jesus. Yeah. But she didn't mean to. So what happened was the enemy put in and said, this is what God gave you. And we wanted more. Mm -hmm. We wanted to strive for something else that wasn't what he created us to be. Yeah. Wow. Right. So here we are. God told us this is what's going to end up happening. You're and for me as a man and for us, all of us, it's you got to work. Yeah. Life is not ever going to be easy again. Yeah. And from that point, he did something. God is only good. His intent was only good. Mm -hmm. We were created to worship, but we mm -hmm. were worshiping him because we were created to abide with him. Mm -hmm. But we, because of our sin, now separate ourselves and we want to hide from him. Yeah. Yeah. So is worship about this? But what worship is based on 12.1 is it is a worship life. Yes. Yes. Okay. I spent so much of my time thinking it was service. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of my time. Um, I'm all over the place, but I want to go back to this emotional tool bag. When I came to know the Lord, the first thing that happened was I cried. And I'll probably cry now. I mean, I cry. I used to never cry. I just did be mad. Yeah. But now I cry all the time because I see what God did in my life. I mean, the moment we sin, God said, it's not okay that Eloise and Mike would be separated from me. Yeah. And he came up with a plan to reconcile us back. Yeah. Worship isn't something that we're called to do. Worship is something we're compelled to do. Why? So that we can come back to the presence of the Lord where we truly belong. Yeah. Right? But so often, as a sound guy that works out there and he designs these systems and all of this kind of stuff, I have a heart because I'm like, yeah, we can put a $10 million system, but we are literally competing against the poor and the needy. So I am conflicted. I know what your wants and your needs, but at the same time, so in that point, I can be judgmental and I can say you're off, off, but we all are trying, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. God was so patient with me and I've learned to become patient. Oh, wow. I love that. I love that. I, one of the things that came out of me this year is I don't judge others because I've stopped judging myself oh. because I understand grace. That is so good. Right? I deserve death we all do like i this last year has probably been personally the most difficult mm -hmm. you know when everything you believe mm -hmm. i'm sorry no, 
When everything you believe is taken from you, you go, why? Mm. Are you punishing me? Mm. No, I deserved it. Not in the sense that it was something... I deserved it because I was told mm. that I'm going to be dealing with fallen people. Mm. And uh, what is good and bad? Like, what's good worship and bad worship? Yeah. Right? But it finally goes down. Good, and, you know, I ask, you know, I, I went to a group with a group of kids to Catalina. And I tell, and I ask probably every Christian I come in contact with is, what is good and what is bad? And very few of them can tell me the answer. Yeah. Well, we're going to go into that right now. We're going to take a quick break and come back cool. with Mike Mendoza. This is so good, you guys. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. One of the ways that we worship is through prayer, and I would love to join you in prayer. We are not meant to do life alone. God made a way for us to be connected to each other. No prayer request is too small or too big. Send us a confidential message through email at the call to worship podcast at gmail.com or through the podcast message. to Mike Mendoza today and we left off on good and bad and the question that you ask everybody what is good and bad? It's funny the reason why of our even in the even with Christians um, we've lost sight of the fact of what is good and bad it's yeah. relative right right, right? so so bad. like you, you for example you look at there's that show that um, on lottery winners and how the, the lottery ruined their lives oh yeah yeah. I don't know about you, but I played the lottery and I've dreamt of what I would do. And I'm like, well, I give a bunch of the church, you know, and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, banging these deals with God. And I want to, no, man, I really want to serve myself. Yeah. But then that's where the ugliness comes out. You know, in my life, money's involved and ugliness is coming out. Um, and I, you know, and it's a truth, right? And I've been in enough memorial services where money has been the biggest issue and families have been ripped yeah. apart by it. Yeah. People that used to want to love and you know what's crazy is, so money, is it good or bad? It depends on how you use it. And, right. and okay, so how do you know how you use it is good or bad? Oh, wow. It's, super, it's super simple. When when, yeah. when when God, when you go back to Eden, God said, Adam, do all of this. Yeah. Eve, do all of this. Mm-hmm. And they had stuff to do up there. Right. Right? But when the enemy came in and says, hey. Flattery is the best. Flattery is the best form of um, what is that? A uh, best compliment? Yeah. If you copy him, if you just be like God. Yeah. Wow. Okay, mm-hmm. so at that point, it was good. Yeah. yeah. It sounded good. It sounded appealing. Yeah. But if there's no anything else I could get out of this, the simple, the simple message that good is what pleases God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And bad is what doesn't please God. So there's going to be times as a Christian where you're going to upset people. Yeah. And you're going to be like Joseph and you're going to be thrown in the pit because you simply speak the truth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm like Daniel. But you know what's funny is you talk about a commonality with all the people on your podcast. 
you know, we can talk about my story. We can talk about the previous stories of other people. Some of them are gnarly. Mm -hmm. But the reality is it's all about pain. Mm. And I've also learned that um, in a marriage or in a relationship, you argue with people. And a lot of times that's because of pain. And sometimes you might not even understand why they're behaving the way they're behaving. But God can't understand why I do anything I do today. And he sent his son, Jesus, to suffer and understand pain. So he understands that pain. So what we've really done is we've mastered ourselves. First of all, we've been duped by the fact Mm -hmm. that good is bad and bad is good, Mm -hmm. which the scripture says. And the only way to understand that is to deal with your pain. So you see it all the time. People that have drug addictions, sex addictions, life addictions, or whatever, they get to a point where they've hit rock bottom. And you know where rock bottom is? Rock bottom is when you get to the point where you hate everything about this world, including yourself. So in those moments, I felt that way. And the greatest act of worship I did was live. But because I understood grace, it changed everything. I see that pain is real. I might not understand it, but I can be there and walk them through it. You just reminded me of that song. He loves. Yes. Oh, I love it. It's about grace. Grace changes everything. Yes. So... You know, you look at the apostles in John 20, and I I challenge all of you guys to read that. Jesus rose from the dead. Mm -hmm. And there are three accounts where people didn't recognize him. And you know why that is? Is because we look at the bad things in our lives. They wanted Jesus on a little donkey with a crown on his head. They didn't want him dead. Yeah, yeah. Right? So as I look at some of the things that I've gone through in the past, I hated the way Jesus looked. And I, I thought it was the enemy, mm-hmm. but it was him going, I love you. So it's funny because, you know, when you think about heaven, I just remember thinking, but what is heaven? But you know what all heaven is? Is getting back to Eden where we were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So when you ask the question, what is your call to worship? It's like the prodigal coming home. It's not something that you do. It's not something that you manifest. It's who you are. Worship is smiling when you don't want to smile. Worship is showing up. And, 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 and what I started to realize, too, and something my dad taught me, I didn't understand at the time, but he goes, you know, men, and I'm going to change that from men to, like, adults, people that are mature in their faith, don't do things that they want to. They do things because they're supposed to. God honors obedience. I hate praying. Why? Because my flesh hates it. I hate reading the Word because I hate my flesh hates it. In fact, when I read the Word, I read it like a heroin addict prior to this last couple years. Why? I'd only read it when I needed it. Wow. It would sit on my, otherwise like, oh, I need it. Like I'm, I'm hurting. I have pain. I need clarity. I need, I want. You, that was what it was. But the scriptures, God was so smart. He gave it to us. Why? So that we would understand his mind. Why would he, why would he, why would he heal one blind man by th- spitting in his eye and putting dirt in it? And next one he says, see. Why would he say, don't make graven images, but he says, look at the staff and you'll be safe from the snakes. You know, people go, well, he contradicts. No, he doesn't contradict himself. So the question is, is, has God changed? No. 
you know, we live in this world of, my, you know, of, of doom and COVID and this and the other thing. And I sit there and go, I'm excited. Why? Because God's doing exactly what he said he'd do. You know, when, you know, when we talk about some of the controversial things like, you know, gay marriage and all of this, what's happening is all of these things are happening that a lot of Christians deem bad. Why? So that the line in the sand is drawn. We're going to get, we're going to get to a point where we are going to have to stand up and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I believe in this Bible. And I, I'm not, I don't hate you. I love you. If you don't understand that, you cannot truly worship. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so good. That's so good. I can sing all the songs I want, but it's one way. May the lights be good. (laughs) May the words be right. No. Yeah. I'm not there for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm there for him. Why? Because based on grace, that's the least I can do. The Bible's... The, the Bible says I can never repay him, but there's also scripture that say it's not I, but the love of Christ that compels me. Wow. I'll be able, I'll never be able to pay God, repay God for what he's done for me, but I have to, I have to try. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because I'm going to be a good steward. And when I go to heaven, God's going to ask me a, a simple thing. What did you do? The gifts I gave you with my son, with your family, and with your possessions. And I better know what's good. So, I mean, you know, to sum it up, you know, am I, you know, you ask yourself, if it's a lifestyle service, well, yeah, in the job that I'm serving, I'm worshiping the Lord. When I'm paying for my food and I'm talking to that person, looking at them in the eye, I'm worshiping the Lord. When I see homeless people and I have an opportunity to speak to them, I try to remember their names. That's a lot more valuable than the money because most of the people throw it, but that's a person with a story. I remember during the tsunamis and I was doing devos and uh, I did the, uh, I did the whole, I I had the, the staff, you know, take turns reading. And so Abraham begot, begot, it was the whole lineage. And it was funny, within five minutes, they started making fun of the names and they started doing all this stuff. And I was dead serious because it affected me as I saw this car coming across the bridge get get eaten up and knowing those people perished right before my eyes. And I challenged them. I said, yeah, you know, God put all of these names in the book because they were important. And every person on this planet is important to him. And every one of us, it doesn't matter how good we are, we'll get to a point where we'll say, I suck. And there's nothing we can do to get rid of that because we are separated and we are not where we belong. I, 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 I used to sit there, you know, um, there, there's that scripture in the Bible is not, you know, uh, um, uh, it's it escapes my mind where where he sits there and goes hey uh, to live is Christ to die to die is gain yeah. don't get me wrong I'd rather be with Christ but now it's better that I remain with you yes. that spoke to me because I think when you get to that point where you have to make the choice mm-hmm. 
Paul, I mean, Paul is in prison. And I think he's saying, I, I want to be dead. I want to be home. But for you, it's better that I remain. So we're to serve. But how? I don't know. But we, I get up every day, and all I hope is that I can do good. I know I'm not going to be able to do it. 99.9% of it isn't going to be worthy. I'm not worthy of it. But now that I understand that, man, it's like, I did my best. And ultimately, I can look in the mirror and say, I'm better off today because of your grace than I was yesterday. And tomorrow, and there's going to be a day where I'm going to see everything. Everything will be revealed. You know, people that die and they don't know if they're with God or not. There's a lot of... But there's a couple things I know. So when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be disappointed. So if I'm praying for them, God, I'm going to challenge you. They're going to be there. Yeah. So we look at back at my lifestyle and now, today, yeah. my faith is so simple. As I've seen all of the... Jesus lived a life where he glorified his father by doing two things. He loved people like they were already saved. And he promised, he, he reminded them of God's promises. That's the most I can do. Before we finish, because you, you answered every single question as we were going through this, so I'm not even going to go through them. Um, but before we finish, I want to throw you a curveball. Um, we, and, I, and I've said this in the other podcast, when we think of worship, you know, our brain automatically goes to music, right? But we've established that it's not just that. That's just an avenue of worship. That's just one way to worship. We worship with our life. But um, since our mind, our brain goes to that, I want to hear from you what your favorite worship song is or what's something that has been calling out to you lately that you've been going to. Because worship, the, 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 the music aspect of worship, right, um, is so powerful sometimes, you know. Um, and, and I've said in another episode, my, my parents came to the Lord through, through song. And when my, my dad found out that he was able to sing, mm-hmm. songs that he was singing in the world, um, but that he was able to sing in church with the same style of music, which was um, Tejano music, mm-hmm. Norteño, mm-hmm. you know, with an accordion. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, I'm there. Mm-hmm. I am there, you know. So worship is powerful. Music is powerful. Is there anything that is calling out to you recently? Or Well, recently it's an old school one. and it, 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 When I heard it, I was weeping. I mean, I've, I, I one of the first songs I learned when I was in home fellowships Um and because I'm in production, mm-hmm. and it's when the music fade, when the music fades, and all, all is stripped away. Yeah, and I simply come. Oh, I'm coming back. Oh, I love coming this. back to the heart of worship. And it's all about him. It's all about him. Yes. And the last time we could pull that off was in the Garden of Eden. I want to go to heaven someday. And I'm going to be the best father. Mm. Think about it. If you've ever been to a memorial service where it's a Christian guy that may have only come to the Lord like the day before, literally, it changes because now the eulogy isn't about what he's accomplished. Yeah. It's about how good of a dad he was. Mm. It's about how good of a husband he was. Yeah. 
It's about a good of a man he is. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's a promise. Yeah. When we get up there, yeah. no more pain. Yeah. No more sorrow. Yeah. And we have an opportunity no to experience that here. Yeah. The tears are there. Yeah. In my pain, the tears are there. But the reality, there's a joy. Why? Because, man, I got a way past it. Yeah. And if there's nothing else, right, you just look at somebody and just be like, yeah. There's hope. And, you know, for you guys, for anybody that's out there that thinks that or isn't, there's people that care. I care. Jesus cares. Yes. Yes. And um, I, I, you know, uh, when I was when I was an altar boy, I start to think back. I believe in Jesus and I had the faith of a child. All of us believe. All of us believe when we're young. But we get caught up by the troubles and the trials and tribulations of the world. But because they were supposed to. The Bible says that Jesus' name is a stumbling block to the Jews and a foolishness for the Gentiles. Yeah. Why? Because the simplicity of his message. Yeah. We're sinners and we need a Savior. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any final thoughts that you want to leave for those that are listening today? Oh, absolutely. I want to make sure that uh, anybody that's within earshot of this understands that it's not through any fault of our own that we feel that 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 pain or that separation or that um, hopelessness. Um, there's nothing that can ever fill it. There's nothing that you could ever give. But our amazing God came and he created a way. And it's through his son Jesus and through the cross. Um, it's not the cross. There's a lot of crosses out there, but it's the scars. In John chapter Uh, 20 verse 19 he said to his apostles peace be with you and then John chapter 20 20 he showed him those scars he pointed at his hands and he pointed at his side and it said they were glad I'm so glad that uh, Jesus came down to die that terrible death so he could understand my pain that he understands what he needs to be hungry he understands what he needs to be cold he's relatable He's real. And 2,000 some odd years later, he's still changing the lives of people. I think there's a lot of people out there that believe in a God. But God has a name and his name is Jesus Christ. So uh, if you're out there and you hear this, please reach out. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to share this amazing person of Jesus Christ. He lived. He wasn't. He walked. He did a lot of things. uh, But he was God. And I mean, if it, I don't know about you, um, Eloisa, but that's just comforting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, thank you so much. You're very welcome. For sharing with us your journey. What, I love how raw this, this podcast makes us. Yep. How raw, like, our journey can be, you know, and, and, and in those words, it's so freeing, you know, to be yeah. able to speak. And to be able to to say what the Lord has done for us and what He continues to do with through with us, through us, and among us, you know. And we're all we all have pain. Yeah, yeah. And thank you for sharing that. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. I truly appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I hope that for those of you that are listening, um, you got chills hearing Mike's message the way that I did. I. I throughout the whole the whole podcast my my face was smiling and mm. 
and I was just in thank awe you. of everything. Praise story. Jesus. So thank you. You have been listening to The Call to Worship with your host, Eloisa Guerrero. Did you know that you can help support this podcast? There are different ways you can do so. You can click on the support link and make a monthly monetary donation to help keep this podcast going. You can follow this podcast. You can also share it on social media to all of your loved ones. You can also support with prayer. We worship a God that listens to his people when they pray to him. No matter what way you support, from the bottom of my heart, thank you.